This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Gosselin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. to believe, but yep, this is the New Year's edition of the Talk of Fame Network. That song tells us to bring out the old, bring in the new, except here, the Talk of Fame Network, we really don't do it like that. We bring in the old, tell the new to uh, sit still and wait your turn, because nothing, nothing has patience like Ken. And guys, uh, let's do the perfunctory thing and get it right out of the way up top, your New Year's resolutions. Goose, I'll start with you. Less coffee, especially on days we take the show. <laughs> uh, my New Year's uh, resolution is simple. Get Ken Stabler in the Hall of Fame where he belongs. Has to happen. It does. Need you to guys happen. to help. Well, uh, I resolved to get guys like Charles Haley, Nate Newton, and Dwight Clark on here again. I also yes. resolved to have Baltimore kicker Justin Tucker sing for us in the coming year. That's Justin get enough of that and also get Todd Rundgren the voice behind bang on the drum there it is the Packers must have scored again get him into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as for more immediate things guys we have Hall of Fame semifinalist and former hog Joe Jacoby on today's show as well as former Dallas fullback Daryl Johnston to talk about the Cowboys Redskins game as our greatest rivalry series concludes we'll also be speaking to NFL Rookie of the Year candidate Todd Gurley not to be confused with Todd R. and hear the Hall of Fame case for Don Coryell. But before we do, let's get to what's happening around the league. First, that PED story with Peyton Manning, uh, who's going to one day be in Canton. Just wondering what you make of it, Goose, and what do you think the league does with it? All I have to say is Al Jazeera. No, Clark, you want you want Ted Wells to conduct an investigation to Manning, but this this wasn't Walt Anderson checking air pressure in footballs. This was well Al. Jazeera. I don't know him. I don't know Al. Hey, Ron, got to ask you. I think you, I worked I mean, for Al Jazeera once. <laughs> um, does the league treat this differently than did Braid the case a year ago? Well, yeah, I, I think they do for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, the Al Jazeera being oh, one yeah, of them. Yeah, Al Jazeera <laughs> being one of them, you know. I mean, the, uh, you know, the source, quote-unquote, is already recanted. HGH was legal at the time he allegedly was doing this. And to me, the greatest thing is now, uh, not too long after the fact, Al Jazeera is now coming out and, and said, well, we didn't really accuse Peyton Manning of anything. That's not what the story was. You know, we just said that some stuff got yeah. sent to his wife's house. It's like, if you watch the report, assuming you can find Al and his friends uh, <laughs> on, on, on TV, if they weren't accusing Peyton Manning, I don't know what they were doing. So I, when you see them backpedaling like uh, Daryl Green, then they're, they're probably uh, going deep on this whole thing. <laughs> By the way, we're trying to get Al on this show next week for an interview. Hey, Goose, uh, do you think we see Peyton again this year, and I mean in the playoffs? No, I think Peyton came back for the records, and he got him. Um, this is now Brock Osweiler's team, and I think Peyton understands that. Okay, well, speaking of playoffs, Ron, whom do you like and who don't you like? Well, I like the Seahawks and the Panthers in the uh, NFC. Well, there's a shocker, huh? Uh, I don't like anybody in the AFC, to tell you the truth. Uh, but you have to pick somebody because somebody has to win. Uh, I don't like the Patriots. I just think that it's 
too many problems, too many physical problems to overcome. Uh, three straight games in a row against top competition to survive. You know, right now, if you watch those guys, they look like that Revolutionary War fife and drum corps, the guy with a bandage on his head and the other guy with a peg leg, you know. I mean, uh, <laughs> That's a Tuesday workout crew, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just you look at them and say, man, this is sad. And even they are now starting to allude to it, which I think is also a, a concern. Uh, after the last game, you know, Matthew Slater and a couple of other guys were talking about how basically it's emotionally becoming difficult to see that cart come out every week and take a, another guy off the field. Hey, hey, Goose! I, I didn't hear Ron mention Arizona. Please tell me Arizona's. Well, if a he team likes, like. if he likes Seattle, I guess I like the Rams. I got you here. I like the Cardinals <laughs> and keep an eye on the Chiefs. Someone's going to come out of the AFC, and, I, and like Ron, I don't think it's the Patriots. You know, they continue to lose bodies along the way. I just don't think they're going to be healthy enough come uh, come February. Okay, we've got about thirty seconds here. Uh, I'm going to stick with history and say Cincinnati won't go far because, well, because that's just who they are. Am I wrong, Goose? Well, it depends if Andy Dalton is back. You're not wrong if A.J. McCarron is taking snaps this, uh, this January. Andy Dalton, 0-4 in the playoffs. Ron, am I wrong? Uh, well, no, because as Goose said, A.J. McCarron apparently can't take the snap. That's the problem. <laughs> you snap him the ball, and it goes, whoa, what's that big thing? So, uh, <laughs> you know, look, they got a good team. If Dalton comes back, I think they got a good shot because it's, it's wide open in AFC, but I can't argue too, hardly, too hard against your position. Okay, well, that's unusual. I'd but like when we to return both. something not unusual. Rick and Ron are going to sit down with Hall of Fame semifinalist Joe Jacoby. This is the Talk of Fame Network. <coughs> I'm feverish and stuffy, but I still see you checking out my sweet cough cloud. See, when I cough, I make a cloud of 3,000 droplets of saliva. Impressive, no? No. But your eyes say yes. <laughs> Ugh, cough clouds are sick. Take new Robitussin CF Max Severe. It delivers powerful relief of cough, sore throat, stuffy nose, and fever. Robitussin, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. We are friends. We are sisters. We are daughters. We are stronger together. Meet a We Rafiki bracelets are handmade with love by women in Africa, providing employment and empowerment. Wear your passion for changing the world at we.org. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. But one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Simple Green. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green. Simple Green. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Okay, our, our first guest is one of the most decorated offensive linemen in the history of the Washington Redskins. 
Joe Jacoby was an original hog, playing on three Super Bowl champions, going to four Pro Bowls, and earning a spot on the 1980s NFL All-Decade team. He also was voted one of the 70 greatest Redskins of all time. Not bad for a player who entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent, became a starter in his opening month on the job, and then stayed there for the next 13 years. Joe Jacoby, one of the 25 semifinalists for the Hall of Fame class of 2016. Welcome to the show. Well, good to be here. Okay, Joe, you've been a five-time semifinalist for the Hall without ever reaching the finals. Do you think the enshrinement of fellow hog Russ Grimm in 2010 helped or hurt your cause? Well, I think it's uh, helped. I mean, obviously, I've made it four straight years since he's uh, been enshrined, so there's some uh, help by him getting into the hall. It's just uh, getting over that hump from the semifinals list into the room, as I guess it's been called. And uh, I think with him being there and knowing uh, what we did and success we had as a group of offensive linemen, it's helped my cause here in the last four or five years as far as staying viable on the on the list and getting to this point in the in the voting. You know, statistics, as you know, Joe, are, are such a big part of the Hall of Fame in a lot of these positions. And How frustrating or is it to be a candidate without any visible statistics? I mean, the only time an offensive lineman seems to attract attention is, you know, he makes 61 great blocks and then he, he allows one sack and that's all everybody talks about. How do you judge, in your opinion, a great offensive lineman? Well, in my opinion, watching games that recently and the announcers were keeping count of his penalties. And I'm thinking, my gosh, uh, as far as what I look at, I think offensive linemen look at as one, their overall success of the team and how well we perform and, and we winning games and we winning playoff games and championships. And then you look at the quarterback and running back, how successful are their stats and their passing yardage and their touchdown to interception ratio and running backs? Are they, you know, 1,000, 1,200, 1,500-yard rusher? So there's where offensive linemen, in my opinion, what I took satisfaction in, what we accomplished and I accomplished in being part of that group, having very successful quarterbacks and running backs who did very well when we were all intact as a group. Joe, can you give us the origin of the nickname Hogs, and how much pride did you guys take in that moniker? Well, that came about from our famous offensive line coach, Joe Bugle. And it was uh, our first first year in the league, and uh, we were a very young group of linemen. Myself, Russ, Mark May were all first-year players. Jeff Bostick was a second-year player. So you have four guys who were relatively inexperienced on the offensive line. And uh, and it was his pet with us at practice. After we get done stretching and stuff, he would uh, yell at the first guys or say, come on, you hogs, let's get down into the pit and hit the sled. So and that was his <laughs> saying to all of us. And then uh, Joe came up and made these T-shirts that we had to wear. It was like a fraternity. And we had to wear them one day a week during the season, and if the guys who had didn't wear that shirt that day, there was a, a fine that went into the kitty, and of course that money was shared at the end that, that when we all got together and uh, had a party at the end of the season, but uh, Joe was a highly 
highly motivated individual to bring us together, and uh, he was the ringleader of that group as far as the hogs and what we did during back in the early and mid-'80s. How instrumental uh, was he? Obviously, it sounds like he was to a great extent to your own development, Joe Bugle, uh, to your own development and, and how your career went. How Joe helped me, Bugle? Yeah, yes. Well, to this day, I still use quite a bit of his coaching and teaching techniques. I used it when I was in the business world as far as the small details. And you're, I was in the car sales. I owned the Chrysler dealership for about 15, 16 years. And training from every department, a salesperson working on you know, their introduction, and small little detail, and train on that on a weekly basis. And that carried over what I learned from Joe Bugle, along with Coach Gibbs, and but mostly Bugs. And uh, Joe was a stickler for details and small little details. He always called us, besides hogs, we were his rockette. And <laughs> the play was calling, the direction it was going, we all didn't step with the right foot. We were doing it for the next 20 to 25 reps and just taking one step. So Joe was a very instrumental as far as that type of technique, but as far as footwork on run blocking, footwork on pass pro, your hand placement and reading defensive linemen. I mean, he helped me immensely on that and what to do on that and training how far as that and giving different techniques and different drills and different things to work with. Uh, you know, much of my, all my success goes to you know, Joe Bugle as far as what he he got out of me. Joe, you, you and Russ Grimm were both rookies in 1981 starting alongside each other on the left side of the Washington line. He was a third-round pick, and you, of course, were undrafted. How much of a learning experience was that 1981 season for the two of you? With each other or with the whole offense? Just Yeah, two rookies lining up trying to just make it through the season. You know, I look back and, and uh, looking and hearing this question and, uh, and thinking about it. Uh, from the first day Russ and I met, we hit it off. And uh, we have been, and we're like brothers, We've both been at each other's weddings. First year in camp, when everybody was, uh, the, the releases and the cut-down days and stuff. So the roommate I had was uh, was no longer there, and his was gone. So I moved down to his room, so I figured they couldn't find me down there to <laughs> release me. So, so we, we've been roommates on and off the field. We were roommates two years before he got married, lived in an apartment together. But I, as far as us learning, yeah, it was us knowing the offense and stuff, but when a play was calling the huddle and I went up, I knew what he was doing because I knew what his his assignment was. And if we were working together, had, there was no cause. If there was a cause, we usually called out our wife's name, and we knew what that meant. So it was the... It's like a, a brother that I finally met after, you know, 21 years. And uh, we're friends ever since, and we do things every now and then when we get together now. But, uh, you, know, you know, we're better together than separated, i tell you that. <laughs> uh, you spent your first eight seasons at left tackle. Uh, then you moved to the right side. You played against 
Lawrence Taylor twice a year, Bruce Smith, Fred Dean, Chris Dolman, uh, Charles Haley, some of the greatest pass rushers in history, Hall of Fame players. Was it a matter of thriving over there on the left side or surviving on the left side? Well, you missed a few in there. No, I'm Reggie sure I did. <laughs> Reggie White, Leroy sure. Spellman. You know, I thrived on that. Most guys would run scared. No, yeah. I, I enjoyed that because I was a guy that nobody thought anything of. And it was a challenge to me to play against the best. And I enjoyed doing that. I look forward to those matchups. And uh, and I hope the guys I played against look forward to playing against me. I, I enjoy that aspect of going against the best. And that's the way you measure yourself on the football field and the way you measure yourself on life. And uh, taking those challenges and... Uh, those were challenges of both LT and you know coming to Reggie White and the next week you got Chris Dillman and the following week you got so I mean it was a revolving door back then with the back in the NFC. We're with Hall of Fame semifinalist Joe Jacoby. Joe, of all those guys we talked about, who was the toughest guy to block? Hands down, Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor because of uh, his size, uncanny strong. We knew about his speed. I mean, he was just a man on a mission every time he stepped on the field. His tenacity, I mean, his effort, and that was fun. You knew you weren't going to have any plays off with him, so it made the game pretty pretty exciting. And there were a lot of great battles we had with the Giants back then with that defense that Parcell had with Harry Carson and LT and the, you know Leonard Marshall, they had they had good defense. So it was a it was a knockdown, drag out, heavyweight fight every time we played. It went fifteen rounds. Do you remember the first time you played him? And did you did you, did you come back to the huddle after a couple of plays and turn to Grimm and say, "Who's this guy? <laughs> you know, what am I supposed to do against this guy?" <laughs> No, I think we all knew who he was at that point. And uh, what I did, this is where we get back to the other question about Joe Bugle. Joe Bugle would do drills with me, and I would do pass sets against the wide receivers. No contact, just getting used to the speed upfield and me going backwards. And that helped immensely because, I mean, LT was running, what, four fives, maybe a four four. So you have to gear yourself for that speed, and then, but you can't get over over on that because then he comes and counters back with his force and uh, his strength coming straight into you. So you have to be pretty balanced and handle him the best way you could. And it, you know, maybe the technique wasn't 100% right all the time, but the battles went, went on. Joe, we got about a minute left here. You blocked for three different quarterbacks, three different running backs who won Super Bowls. Of the three NFL champs, 82, 87, and 91, which one was the best team? i say all three of them, but I'm going to get to it. 82 is sentimental to me, one, because it's the first one, and second, because it was on my mother's birthday. My mother passed away my rookie year in camp, so that was special to me. 87, because of Super Bowl records and the quarter, the points, and uh, Timmy Smith, the 204 yards rushing, and what Doug that day, that was just... Unbelievable football for 15 minutes, 18 plays, 350-some yards of offense. But I would say the most talented team and probably the best team was 91. 
we were on a mission, and uh, we accomplished it. And uh, we give up in 19 games, nine sacks. Pretty good for a, a non-mobile quarterback we had, Mark Rippon. So we gave him ample time to throw the football. He was very good at throwing the long ball. Joe, ample time is what we do not have. we got to run. But uh, <laughs> we'd like to thank you for stopping by to visit us and wish you the best of luck in this bid to become a first-time finalist for the Hall of Fame's class of 2016. Well, I appreciate, Joe, we appreciate it. it. Thanks for the time, guys. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Joe. Appreciate it. That was former Washington tackle and Hall of Fame semifinalist Joe Jacoby. When we return, we'll talk to St. Louis running back and Offensive Rookie of the Year candidate Todd Gurley. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, you've reached Burger King. To leave a message, press 1. Hey, Burger King, it's Mike calling again. I called a billion times about the burgers and the chicken and the flame grilling. My big idea, call me back. I'm here at home. Michael, didn't we talk about you trying the new flame grilled chicken burger from Burger King? A savory flame grilled chicken patty topped with veggies on a toasted bun. Now just two for $5. Or mix and match with another delicious sandwich part of the two for $5 deal. The new flame grilled chicken burger, only at Burger King. Limited time only, price and participation vary. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Want clearer skin? For just $19.95, get proactive. And a rotating deep cleansing brush, a $45 value free. Get clear and stay clear, or your money back. Try proactive. Call 1-800-644-5944. 1-800-644-5944. Would you like a cleaning product that can be used in the garage, the laundry, and the kitchen, and save space in your cabinet? Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green. Concentrated all-purpose Simple Green is the answer for versatile cleaning throughout your home and garage. I'm so certain you'll love Simple Green. If you're not 100% satisfied, I'll give you your money back. To learn more, visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. We are water. We are education. We are health. We are stronger together. Meet a We Rafiki bracelets are handmade with love by women in Africa, providing employment and empowerment. Wear your passion for changing the world at we.org. Back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Our next guest is one of the best and brightest rookies in the NFL this year. Todd Gurley not only leads all rookie running backs in yards and TDs, but he's the best thing to happen to St. Louis since... Tony LaRusso, or maybe Don Coriel, or maybe ah, maybe the St. Louis Arch. Anyway, he's so good, the former San Diego star and friend of the show, LaDainian Tomlinson, said he's the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson. And we said he's so good, we can't wait to get him on this show. And, well, now here he is. Todd Gurley, thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, no problem. How you doing? Good, thank you. Hey, Todd, I mentioned what LT said earlier, and there are all sorts of comparisons with you and Adrian Peterson. You both had injuries, of course, that forced you to drop in the draft. He dropped to seventh, you dropped to tenth, and you both made huge impacts as rookies. 
So if I have one back to take in his prime, and I realize we're looking at only one year here with you, but who should it be, you or AD? Hey man, I can't I can't say another person, so I got to go with myself. <laughs> do, do you see the comparisons between you and, and Peterson? Yeah, kind of, but you know, he that, that's another that dude's on another level, man. I definitely got to get on respect to him. But, you know, I'm still still trying to do the things he's he's done. Hey, Todd, talk about comparisons. How did the intensity of your NFL debut against Pittsburgh compare to the intensity of an SEC game, SEC game against, say, LSU or Florida? You know, it was, it was my first game, so you know, I, I knew I was playing like, but you know, it was still frustrating. I, I think I, I still remember that game like it was definitely a six yard for nine carries. So that next game, I was definitely just just motivated to just to to come back and, you know, be able to put up more yards than I did my first half. Did, did you find the adjustment to bigger, stronger, faster players difficult? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that was that was just like, you know, I was practicing for about two, three weeks prior to that. So, you know, it, it, the game season is definitely a lot different. Uh, you know, guys are definitely a lot big, bigger, faster, and stronger, and they react a lot faster. So, you know, it was definitely an adjustment how, you know, I got used to and you know, the game definitely slowed down for me these the past couple weeks. Well, it's uh, it's funny, you know, there was a time, obviously, when running backs ruled pro football, uh, but now it's yeah. become so much more of a passing league, and there seems to be some people who even believe that, uh, you know, why use a first-round draft pick on a running back? Where do you think you would have gone had you not been hurt? And, and when you sort of hear that kind of talk about, well, you know, we throw now more than we run, does it irk you? Does it bother you as a running back? Say, wait a minute, give me the ball. Um, it, just, it just depends on the situation. I mean, sometimes you got to understand the situation. And, you know, you just got to be a team player. At the end of the day, you know, if if, if your coach believes that you're doing, you know, he's going to get you the ball. Or, you know, you, you always can't have every carry or, you know, all the yards. So you got to – it's a team game. You can't do it all by yourself. So you got to let other people contribute as well. We're with St. Louis running back Todd Gurley on the Talk of Fame Network. And, Todd, uh, simple question here. Who do you consider the best running back in the NFL, either now or ever? I mean, you talked about A.D. earlier, and we did. We talked to you about Adrian Peterson. Yeah. But but who do you consider the best running back in the NFL, either in today's game or ever? I mean, since you started watching or playing football. Um, ever. Definitely we'll have to go with sweetness on that. Definitely Walter Payton. And then... You know, today's game, like I said, um, I think I might have did a like a little interview this summer, and I said, no-brainer, you know, uh, you know, Marshawn, when he's healthy, you know, yeah, they've really been healthy this year, and, and Adrian Peterson. And then a guy, I, I, you know, I, I just started liking the last year or two, um, you know, Le'Veon Bell. And going back to, to, to sweetness, to Walter Payton, what was it about his game that you liked so much? Oh, man, he was just, he was, he was just physical, um, Oh man, he he did everything. Y'all run you, run you over with a physical back, and you know I always thought he was about my size, and then I found out he he wasn't nowhere near my size, and I'm like, dang, he even had me had me running hills a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it Todd, worked. We, <laughs> Todd, we talked about the struggles in that Pittsburgh game, but in your next game, a start, you put 146 on a really good defense, Arizona. Then you went to Green Bay, put 159 on the Packers, put 128 in the Browns, 133 on the Niners in consecutive games. 
did you think it was going to become that easy that quick? Oh, you know, I mean, I always kind of picture myself having success, but like you said, I, I definitely didn't uh, expect myself to, you know, have that much success, you know, that quick. But, you know, um, I knew all my hard work I, I put in in the offseason, you know, coming back from ACL surgery would pay off. So, you know, it definitely wasn't, you know, shocked by the performance. But it, it definitely, you know, surprised me how, how fast I, I did accomplish that stuff. Has it been difficult at all uh, playing for you this season, as the season has ground on and the offense has struggled and the uh, your playoff hopes started to fade and now there's all this talk about whether or not the team's even going to be in St. Louis? Has that affected you at all and has it been difficult at all to, to sort of uh, block that out? You know, I really haven't really paid too much attention to are we leaving or are we staying. You know, at, at the end of the day, I'm just worried about the season and I know that I'm, I'm in St. Louis for now. And, you know, I'm... The losing definitely, um, that definitely kind of got to me because you know that was my first, this is my first time ever losing more than, you know, four or five games in a season, and, and to lose five games in a row, it definitely gets to you, and, you know. But at the end of the day, you have good veterans that pull you aside and just tell you to stay positive, and, and just make sure you keep working how you're doing. You know, don't let these these losses define you. We're with St. Louis running back Todd Gurley on the Talk of Fame Network. And, and Todd, earlier you were talking about touches, and Rick was asking you about um, that four-game span when you, you put up 566 yards, uh, the most actually for a rookie running back um, in NFL history since the merger. And during that time, I think you touched the ball 22, an average of 22 times a game. And then I look at these last three games, and you touched it an average – of 11 times in those three games and uh, twice, I think, nine. But my question for you is, how many times would you like to get the ball? What's a sort of an optimum feel for you? When do you feel like you really get going? Do you need more, I would think, obviously, than 11 touches? And what's a pretty good figure for you? It really, it really doesn't really matter, you know, um, you know the amount of touches. It's just long as long as I get the ball and it keeps going, but... You know, and, you know, Coach Fisher and Coach Boys and Coach Kerry, they've done a great job all year on getting me the ball and just helping me um, try to make plays. But, you know, those past couple games when I didn't get the ball, I mean, you looked at it, we was, you know, we was down by a lot. So there's no reason to, you know, run the ball because we got to kind of put it through the air. But, um, I mean, I've, I've done 30 carries before. But like I said, it doesn't really matter the amount of carries. Todd, you know, there's, there's talk of, of a rookie wall. You guys come from colleges, you're used to playing 12 games, all of a sudden you're playing a 16-game season, and a lot of guys tend to run out of gas in December because yeah. of the length of the season. Have, have you seen that, and have you experienced that? Um, no, I actually haven't seen a, a rookie wall. I really haven't. I wouldn't say I had a rookie wall. You know, I, I definitely, you know, kind of, it was tough going through those five games because we lost five in a row, but, you know, I just, Try to stay positive, and then, like you said, I I didn't get that many carries in those games. So, you know, if you look at last game, you know, I was I was I was very fresh. I'm I've been feeling good. My body's been feeling good. I'm just, just trying to make sure I stay on top of my treatment and just just be ready for the next week. Because, like you said, it is definitely a long season. It's, it's not like college. We were talking to uh, to a lot of uh, one of the things we like to do in the show. Talk to a lot of uh, you know former players, uh, you know, guys that have been through it all. And, w- and one we were talking about was Jamal Lewis, the great runner from the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, one of the things he said was uh, he feels that he understands the sort of rotation of backs and the, 
the increased passing game, reducing the handoffs to, to backs. But he believes yeah. that a back really needs a lot of touches to get a feel for the game and get a feel for the defense and to set the defense up for later in the game. And you pick a lot of great runners like Eric Dickerson, you know, a lot of yeah. his big runs were late in the game. Uh, do you sort of see it that way, that that's the best way for, at least from a running back's perspective, to, to, to get the ball a lot and get a feel for that defense? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you, as a running back, you definitely want to, you know, get a get a certain amount of touches in the world because, you know, you, you just get a feel for the game and, you know, I don't. You know, I don't mind rotating and stuff like that. But you know, I feel like sometimes running back does need to get the ball a, a certain amount of time just to just to get a feel for the game. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with um, with Jamal said. That's cool. I used to, you know, I was a Ravens fan growing up, so he was oh, there you go. One of my favorite running backs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he he told us he hates a terrible towel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 I, I definitely know about that, Rob. <laughs> hey Todd, you said at the top of the interview you thought you were better than Adrian Peterson. Okay, who's the best back ever come out of Georgia? You or Herschel Walker? <laughs> hey, like I said, he won a Heisman in the national championship, so you gotta give it to him. <laughs> hey, hey Todd, many thanks for joining us and best of luck with the rest of the season and with your career. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Have a good day. You thanks, too. Todd. Thanks, Todd. That was St. Louis running back Todd Gurley, who's also a candidate for NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. Up next, our projections for the coming year and why Don Coriel, yes, Don Coriel belongs to the Hall of Fame. This is the Talk of Fame Network. <coughs> I'm feverish and stuffy, but I still see you checking out my sweet cough cloud. See, when I cough, I make a cloud of 3,000 droplets of saliva. Impressive, no? No. But your eyes say yes. <laughs> Ugh, cough clouds are sick. Take new Robitussin CF Max Severe. It delivers powerful relief of cough, sore throat, stuffy nose, and fever. Robitussin, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. Do you freak out every time you break out? Try Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment. It totally works. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. We are water. We are education. We are health. We are stronger together. Meet a We Rafiki bracelets are handmade with love by women in Africa, providing employment and empowerment. Wear your passion for changing the world at we.org. Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio inventor of Simple Green. Like you, I'm a big sports enthusiast, and I want my gear to shine like new. That's why it's clean with Simple Green, the concentrated cleaner that's perfect for making your auto, RV, cycling, boating, and other sporting equipment look like new again. Try it today. If you're not 100% satisfied, I'll give you your money back. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. With Ron Borges, Rick Gosselin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. 
Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by Proactive, where for $19.95, you can get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush valued at $45. That sounds good. Get a load of this. You get clear and you stay clear or your money back. Just call 1-800-644-5944. That's 1-800-644-5944. We're also brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, and Ron, whose computer doesn't? Log on to MyCleanPC.com. You must have logged on to MyCleanPC.com because you got a free diagnosis and you're within minutes. You downloaded software to clean up what may be slowing down your computer. That's the great thing about MyCleanPC. For more details, go to MyCleanPC.com. Earlier in the show, guys, I asked you for your New Year's resolutions. Now, I want you to look into your crystal balls and tell us what we can expect from the coming year. So let's start with uh, officiating. Goose, please tell me we're going to fix this thing. I'm not sure how to fix it. You know, maybe encourage less flags. The, the worst problem is the inconsistency of the crews. There's a 72 penalty and a 700-yard difference between the top and the bottom crews. How can two crews, all the crews for that matter, see the game so differently? You know, one crew flags everything. The other crew, crew flags nothing. But you, Ron? Well, obviously, the crew that flags nothing is from New Orleans. Except when Brandon Browner's yeah. on the field. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, it's just, look, to me, the only real way to fix it is uh, a twofold thing, and that's to force these guys to become uh, full time officials and to reform some sort of minor league system like they had in Europe where a lot of these guys went and worked. Because there's a big difference between college football, even at the highest level, and, and pro football. So you're bringing these guys from college, and the game's different, and some of the rules are different and mistakes get made, uh, and you get crucified for it, uh, and next thing you know, things aren't working uh, well. But to me, the, the larger issue, and I'm not sure Goose agrees, but how can the richest sports in the land be run on game day by part-time seasonal workers? You know, it's like the idea of having paper boys. You know, work pretty good for a while in the newspaper. What other business was given a multi-million dollar product to an 11-year-old on a bicycle? That's I'm not gonna basically what the end of I'm not going to sit here and listen to you rip paper boys. I love paper boys. I love okay. Clark was a paper boy. I, I still am, as a matter of fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now he's driving his car. Um, okay, let me move on from that. And um, Goose, you might want to use mycleanpc.com software on your crystal ball. See if you can clear it up <laughs> for this next one. Pete Manning. Does he play again? I asked you early, but does he play again, period? And if so, with whom? Yeah, I think he's done. You know, Ron told us a few weeks back how Archie Manning walked away with dignity. I think son follows the footsteps of his father. Peyton has three things his father didn't have. The records, a ring, and a place in history. There's no sense pulling a John Unitas or Willie Mays at this point. I think he walks. You know, I, I thought the same thing, too, until Al Jazeera, uh, you know, <laughs> wrote his story about him. And now I think there's a, there's a wild card factor, which is perhaps him sitting there thinking, well, now they're going to think I'm guilty that I got out before the revenue or shell. I'm like an NCAA basketball coach, you know. The problem I think he's going to have, guys, is where's he going to go? Yeah. You know, well. A combination of what he wants, which is a good team, and what a good team needs and what they're willing to pay. Uh, I think he's, he's going to have a hard time. You know, if he wants to go to Tennessee, he can't even go there. So where does he go? Uh, I don't know either, Ron, but I know some teams like Baltimore are on their four-string quarterbacks and others are on their third string, so they've got to be someplace for this guy to play. Uh, I think somebody will give him an opening. Anyway, next one. Who's in L.A. in 2016? Rams, Chargers, Raiders? Or a combination of all three? If anyone, I'd say the Rams. The owner has the land and the money to build a stadium, but I don't think there's enough ownership support for any of the groups. I wouldn't be surprised if all three teams stay where they are and any move gets pushed back to 2017. You know, when a team or a team moves to L.A., it had better be the right move, not a rushed move. There's just too much at stake in the nation's uh, number two market. 
Yeah, I talked to actually to an owner uh, last week about it, and <clears throat> he told me that you know they're facing a real problem now because St. Louis, the city of St. Louis, and the state have made, in their opinions, you know, substantive uh, offer to keep the Rams, which they've now submitted their stadium uh, proposal, and they have certain rules and regulations that make it harder to move if that's the case. They don't trust the management of the Raiders, and there's not a lot of sympathy for <laughs> for San Diego. There's some, but. Uh, whether they can get enough votes to move the Chargers, uh, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Wait, wait a minute. What? Did you say don't trust the Raiders, huh? <laughs> really? Yeah, the management. <laughs> they like the team. Yeah. Don't trust the management. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Last one. Goose, first coach to be fired, first to be hired. I'd say Mike McCoy is out in San Diego and Jim Schwartz is in possibly in Tennessee. Ronnie? Well, I'd say it's the battle of the Mikes all the way to the finish line. Mike McCoy and Mike Patton battling it out to see who gets whacked first. And I don't know who they're going to f- be the first hire coming in, but it should be Stanford coach David Shaw. Okay. Well, um, speaking of Stanford and the West Coast, uh, I want to talk about Don Coriel. <laughs> it's my segue to Don Coriel. Um, that's one thing I don't think will happen when I look into my crystal ball. I don't think Don Coriel is going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And to me, that's a shame because like Joe Jacoby, whom we spoke to earlier, Don's a semifinalist for the class of 2016. But... Like Joey's been here before, and he can't reach the finish line. I wish that would change. I don't wish that music would change. I love that song, but I don't think it will. There it is again. It's kind of like Ron's Raiders theme. But um, the reason I don't think it's going to change is because we measure coaches and quarterbacks by rings, and Don doesn't have any. In fact, he never went to a Super Bowl. He was 3-6 and six in the playoffs, so I get that. But then someone, maybe you guys, can please explain to me Dan Fouts and Warren Moon they never went to a Super Bowl either, and Fouts was 3-6 and six in the playoffs, Moon 3-7. and seven. And, of course, there's George Allen. He went to one Super Bowl, and he lost it. He was 2-7 and seven in the playoffs. So the measure of Coriel is not in his record, not to me, that we won the only division titles the Cardinals ever had in St. Louis and put the Chargers back on the map into two straight conference championship games. Nope, his reach extends the impact of the game. It was enormous. He changed offenses with his Eric Coriel attack. He changed defenses, too, because they had to devise ways to stop it. Well, never won a Super Bowl. Zach Alex, like Joe Gibbs and John Madden, North Turn and Mark, Mike Martz did. In fact, hey, geez, we had George Seifert on the show this fall telling us that Don Coriel belonged in the hall because of his impact on it. He wasn't just talking about then, he was talking about now. As Martz once said, he was the father of the modern passing game, and his fingerprints are all over the West Coast offense you see today. Without Don Coriel, there's no Kellen Winslow, or Dan Fouts. Without him, there's no Joe Gibbs, three Super Bowl trophies. There's no Coriel offense in Dallas, and no greater show on turf in St. Louis. Remember Mart saying he has disciples all over the league and he changed the game. So I'm not sure why that hasn't been acknowledged by the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know what, Mike? Neither am I. Wow, that came up quickly. That's a signal we're almost out of time. So, Derek, let's start the countdown to halftime. Question number one. Your New Year's resolution for the Dallas Cowboys. Apply for admission to the Big 12. (laughs) Jerry Jones resolves to never utter the word playoffs until his team is in the playoffs. What poses a bigger risk to San Francisco? Justin Bieber's sidewalk graffiti or Jeep Chris's offense? The Biebs, the Millenniums care about him. These days, they don't care about the 49ers. Jeep Chris offense because him and the rest of the staff are going to be on the sidewalk reading that graffiti if something doesn't happen soon. True or false, Matthew Slater hosts next year's Miss Universe pageant. False, just like any nightly newscaster. Find someone who can read a cue card. (laughs) 
False. Slater is the last truth teller in the NFL. What falls faster, the ball in Times Square or the Redskins in the playoffs? I'll go with the ball. Never bet against a Spartan. Oh, oh, Lord, please. Oh, I'm begging you. Uh, the ball, but only because they don't have officials having powwows in Times Square. Does the NFL pursue Peyton Manning's PED case as vigorously as it did Tom Brady? Let's see if Manning wins the Super Bowl first. What PED case? <laughs> What's that, Al Jazeera? Hey, if referee Pete Morelli were counting down to New Year's, would we ever get there on time? No, because 27 NFL coaches would want a replay review of the countdown. We would get there, Clark, but not until Memorial Day. If the Force awakens in Star Wars, why can't it awaken in the Eagles huddle? Only if Chip Kelly allows George Lucas to call the plays. <laughs> because the Force is not with Chip. As LaShawn McCoy said, Chip, you are my father. The Chargers won't let safety Eric Weddle go to their season finale. Is that punishment or gift? Punishment, it prevents Weddle from scouting his next employer. <laughs> it's a blessing. Just ask Charger fans with bags on their head. <laughs> Let me take my bag off my head here. Uh, the best place to spend New Year's Eve is A, Times Square, B, Las Vegas, C, Gronk's house, or D, anywhere there's Johnny Manziel. That's easy. Las Vegas. The Talk of Fame network is huge in Las Vegas. <laughs> huge! Oh, huge. Right you huge. are, Mega. Bunky! But anywhere with Johnny Manziel, except in the huddle. What happens first, the Raiders in the Super Bowl or Madonna reconciling with her son? Not sure. The Raiders and Madonna are so far removed from greatness, it's hard to remember when they actually were. Oh, ouch. 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 Neither uh, when Madonna reconciles with Dennis Rodman. Ouch. If Donald Trump were to succeed Roger Goodell, not Barack Obama, what would he do first? Build a wall around the NFL's Park Avenue office. <laughs> look at the officials and say, look at those guys. They love Trump. <laughs> Oh, that's the end of the first half, but don't go anywhere. We have Daryl Johnston, Hall of Fame voter Vic Carucci, and the Redskins Cowboys series in the second half. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC.com. If your computer runs slowly, and whose computer doesn't, just go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software to cure what may be ailing your PC. That's MyCleanPC.com. Talk of Fame Network is also brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Call Quicken Loans now to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for six years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, license in all 50 states, and MLSConsumeraccess.org, number 3030. The following was recorded at a Burger King drive-thru at breakfast. Morning, welcome to Burger King. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich? Sure can. Right now, they're two for four dollars. But could you say that word again? Croissant sandwich? Oh, where I'm from, we say croissant-rich. Wow. Where you from? From behind this counter? Piled high with thick-cut bacon or savory sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted cheese. Get two sandwich breakfast sandwiches for just $4, only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price and participation vary. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. Your computer runs slowly, and who doesn't? Go to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software 
that may be slowing down your computer. For more details, go to mycleanpc.com. Ooh, that must mean we're back with the second half of our New Year's program, and it does. In fact, coming up, we're gonna have Daryl Johnston to talk about the Dallas-Washington rivalry, the series that continues this weekend in Dallas. We're gonna hear from Hall of Fame voter Vic Carucci of the Buffalo News on the Jets-Bill showdown that will feature a heavy dose of Rex, Rex, Rex. But since we're not ringing out the old yet, guys, you know that this past Monday, Monday was the 57th anniversary of the greatest game ever played. I'm talking, of course, of the Baltimore Colts, 23-17 defeat in overtime of the New York Giants, NFL championship game on December 28, 1958. But, you know, I wonder, why stop there? It's also the 40th anniversary of the Dallas Cowboys, 17-14 playoff defeat of the Minnesota Vikings and Goose. I'll let you clue in our listeners as to the significance of that game first. Okay, the Cowboys prevail when Roger Staubach heaved a 50-yard touchdown pass to Drew Pearson in the game's final minute. When asked about the touchdown after the game, Staubach, a devout Catholic, said he just closed his eyes and said a Hail Mary. Thus, the term Hail Mary officially entered football lingo. Thank you, Goose, Dr. Data, because apparently Roger Staubach not only had an impact on the game, but on its vocabulary. So now, Ron... Rick, let's get into the Wayback Machine. I know you like that, Ron. We're going yeah, back I lived to... in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> <laughs> We're going back to 1958. What were you Stupid doing then? Peabody. I was at the game. <laughs> you probably covered it. Uh, well, I remember that game, honestly, as the first one I ever watched. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I fell in love with Unitas that day and the Colts. Uh, loved what he did. Loved what they were about. I like their uniforms. In fact, I have a large black and white Robert Rieger photo of JU over my desk. Um, but let's forget about the photo. Here's my question. As I said, it was called the greatest game ever played. Ron, was it? Well, in terms of its historical significance, uh, you know, certainly was, but not in, ter- in terms of how the game itself was played. The game had uh, seven turnovers, eight fumbles. You know, it was a messy game, to be, be honest with you. Uh, but you had the number one defense against the number one offense, uh, Giants defense and the Colts offense, and 17 future Hall of Famers were involved in that game. But more importantly, guys, because I, t- I t- actually teach a course, as you guys know, about sports and politics, and this game plays a big part of it. Uh, by the end of the overtime period, because it had slipped into primetime TV for the first time ever. 45 million Americans were viewing the game on, on television for the first time, and most of them were saying, where's Ed Sullivan? Shouldn't he be introducing these guys? Uh, so, you know, that was a big issue. A year after that game, 37% of the households uh, with television were viewing NFL games on Sundays, you know, which was a massive leap. And by 1962, 90% of the homes in the United States had TVs, and most of them were watching football. Goose, greatest game ever played? Well, certainly through 1958 it was, but, you know, the, the AFL introduced us to offensive football in the 60s. The Steelers introduced us to defensive football in the 70s. And the Niners introduced us to greatness in the 1980s. The game has changed, and so has the standards for the term, quote, greatest ever. So, Goose, if you had to pick your greatest game ever played, what would it be? Well, in, sure, in sure, uh, terms of sheer drama, the Jets upset of the Colts, Super Bowl three. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a shocker to end all shockers. But I put two other shockers on the list. The 2001 Super Bowl when Belichick and the Patriots upset the greatest show on turf. Right. And the Giants Super Bowl victory in 2007 that cost the Patriots their perfect season. But but neither of those games was, was perfect football executed by the teams. How about you, Ron? Well, you know, uh, if you just asked me to pick the greatest game ever played, I'm going to pick a game I, I was at. Which a was Raider the eight, game. Yeah, yeah, no, actually the <laughs> 1986 AFC Championship game. And a friend of the show, John Elway, talked about that. That was when, the, uh, you know, he won with the drive. It was so thrilling 
to see him coming down the field, this young guy who you knew was going to be the next big thing. I mean, he already was big, and he was getting bigger. And you knew he was going to do it. You know, I hadn't felt like that in a while about a player. You know, as Clark, you used to feel about Unitas. You said, man, here he comes, 98 yards. He's going to do it. Boom, 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 boom. And he did it. Well, that's the same feeling you have when Tom Brady brings the Patriots down the field in the last two minutes, right, Ron? No, but I have that feeling when Goose tells me something. I see he's going to do it. <laughs> uh, Goose, I, I want to ask you a follow-up to that question, which is Ron covered that game. Uh, I know we've all like followed a blanket. football for over, <laughs> for over 35 years. Each. So what's the greatest game, Goose, you ever covered? Probably my first Super Bowl. That'd be Super Bowl ten. Cowboys, Steelers, Bradshaw, Staubach, Landry, Knoll, the Lid Swan catches. Great quarterbacks, great coaches, great teams, great plays, producing one great football game. Okay. Well, for me, it'd be that 49ers Packers game, 1998 wild card game. That was the catch two. It wasn't Dwight Clark? It was Terrell Owens, who now is up for the Hall of Fame. He's a semifinalist. That was a great rivalry with the Packers and the uh, 49ers. But I'm going to tell you another great rivalry: Washington Dallas. And we're going to be talking to former Cowboy Daryl Johnston about it when we return from commercial. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Call Quicken Loans now to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program or HARP. And for six years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. The following was recorded at a Burger King drive-thru at breakfast. Morning, welcome to Burger King. Let me get a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich. Sure, right now they're two for four dollars, but is that how you say that? Yeah, for a sandwich. Where I'm from, we say croissant Try that. Cross-sandwich! Oh, that took you two seconds. Took me years of practice. I'm not you. Piled high with thick-cut bacon or savory sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted cheese. Get two sandwich breakfast sandwiches for just $4. Only at Burger King. Limited time only. Price and participation vary. We are friends. We are sisters. We are daughters. We are stronger together. Meet a We Rafiki bracelets. They're handmade with love by women in Africa, providing employment and empowerment. Wear your passion for changing the world at we.org. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Our next guest was a throwback to the days of two-back sets and lead blockers. Talk about Daryl Johnston of the Dallas Cowboys. In fact, he may have been the ultimate blocking fullback, taking on the first man in the hole so that Emmett Smith could rush for an NFL record 18,355 yards. So effective was Daryl that the NFL created a fullback spot on the Pro Bowl team in 1993, and he was voted the position each of the first two years. Today, of course, Daryl Johnston is an NFL analyst with Fox, and our guest 
as he talks Cowboys, Redskins, and the fullback position. Gerald Johnston, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Hey, Daryl, let's start with the Redskins. Uh, that was a coming-out party for your Cowboys in 1992. The Redskins were coming off a Super Bowl championship, opening the season on Monday night in Dallas against the Cowboys. You prevailed 23-10, taking the first official step on the road to a dynasty. What did that game tell the Cowboys about themselves? I think the biggest thing was that all the hard work we had done over the past couple of years was starting to pay off. We had gone down to Austin for training camp, and they were very, very physical training camps, very demanding training camps. Um, <laughs> I think at times, you know, we, we were we were shocked at, at how uh, how challenging they were. And if you don't get validation at that point, then it can be uh, it can be something that could impact the team. But the previous year, we had opened the season against Washington as well, and, and had that heartbreaking loss, thirty-one thirty. You know, that was always motivation there for us, uh, you know, to get back there and have another opportunity. Uh, even though later in the season we were able to, to stop Washington's undefeated streak at RFK. So uh, it, it, was always, uh, it was always a big game at that time. That was one of the, that was one of the stretches during the course of my career that the, the Redskin-Cowboy rivalry uh, was exactly what it had always been back in the 70s because you had those big games with a lot at stake on the line. That was also, uh, Daryl, uh, the first game for uh, Hall of Famer uh, Charles Haley as a cowboy and he had a sack and he was terrorizing Mark Rippon most of the night. How much of an impact did Haley have on those championship teams in Dallas, in your opinion? I think he was the missing piece to the puzzle defensively uh, at the time. Uh, we had, we had a good defensive front. We really did. Um, you know, Tony Tolbert came into my draft class. We had Jim Jeffcoat, Tony Casillas, Jimmy Jones was there. Uh, Leon Lett. You know, we had a lot of guys that were building off of, but, but we didn't have that one guy yet that everybody needed the game plan for. Uh, if you were an offensive coordinator going up against the Dallas Cowboys, uh, we had good people up front, but we didn't have that one person that could disrupt and take over a game. And, and Charles provided that for us. And I think, you know, we, we've always talked about the definition of a, of a great player is somebody who makes everybody else better around him. And I think that that's one of the, the obvious things right there about Charles when he came to us. You could see the elevation and play of the other players. Now that Charles had to be double teamed and chipped and people had to worry about him, there were more one-on-one opportunities for Jim Jeffcoat, Tony Tolbert, and Tony Casillas, and all those other guys on the defensive line, and they were able to take advantage of that. And we were able to put together a really good rotation and create some great depth in our defensive line. Uh, and, and Charles was really, really key in, in doing that. So w- when he came to us, uh, I, I really do feel that he was that one missing piece that we didn't have yet on the defensive side of the ball. We're with former Dallas fullback and now Fox analyst Daryl Johnston. Daryl, Goose asked you about that 1992 Cowboys-Redskins game. I want to go one year forward and talked about the 93 game where the Redskins flipped the script on you. Um, you were the defending Super Bowl champions then, and you opened, as you remember, on a Monday night in Washington. Only this time, the Redskins won, 35-16. to 16. I will ask you the same question Goose did, but a little bit differently. What did that game tell you about yourselves other than Emmett Smith needs to get in uh, to camp and end his holdout. Yeah, yeah, we need to get Emmett Smith signed <laughs> as quickly as possible. We let it go one more week, uh, you know, thinking that that we were, uh, you know, an equal team, maybe maybe not quite as good, but but good enough without Emmett Smith. And we found out in week two when we hosted the Buffalo Bills that uh, that, that wasn't true. So um, I, I don't think anybody ever underestimated the importance uh, of Emmett Smith to that team. Um, obviously, you, you read his stats at the top of the interview. It's, just, it's amazing what he accomplished through his career. But I think a lot of people at times looked at our offensive line at that time and said, you know, obviously Emmett has a, a unique skill set and he can do things that, 
that other running backs can't, but we can put somebody else in there and we can be serviceable uh, behind that offensive line. You know, that offensive line is pretty good, and they've got Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin. They've got the other weapons around them, and we realized how valuable Emmett Smith really, really was to the dynamic of our team. And if, if you go back and you look at what North Turner did uh, at the different teams he was with, he always had that running back that he could use to control the flow of the game. And I don't think Edmund ever got enough credit. We talk about statistically what he did in his career from a number standpoint. But for us, the ability to, to carry it 25, 28, 32 times in a game and salt away a victory. Uh, you know, still one of my favorite games in my career through that run was the game at RFK in 1991 when, when they were undefeated and we got the ball back with a little over seven minutes to go as an offense and we never left the field. We never left the field that day. Uh, we were we took pride in being a very physical offense and being able to take time off the clock and, and the main reason was Emmett Smith. You know, he, he could do that. He could he could take that play that wasn't blocked exactly right when we needed five yards and he could find a way to do it when there was maybe only two and a half, three yards there. So we learned that one early on. I think we, we all knew it. Uh, we were hoping it that it wasn't true because we didn't know how long that holdout was going to take. You know, back then, sometimes those holdouts took a long time. But after the after the second week, uh, Charles Haley made sure that we got it back. <laughs> Charles <laughs> has a way of doing that. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Maybe, that, maybe that's the underestimated importance of Charles Dark. Not only did he provide that, that missing piece on the defense, but he helped get Emmett Smith into camp quickly. Hey, Darrell, the Cowboys had a history of great games with the Redskins in the 70s and the 80s. You know, one team always seemed to be standing in the way of the other. Did you sense that rivalry with the Redskins when you first arrived in Dallas in 89? Well, obviously in 89, um, during the transition, it, it, it really wasn't there. Uh, I think the strange part was the only game we won was at RFK. So all the Dallas Cowboy supporters and fan base always told us, if you were going to win one game in 1989, you should pick the right one to win. <laughs> um, you know, that, that was the one, the one rivalry that really, really stood out to the fans. And it ended up being, I think, a game that kept Washington out of the playoffs yes. in 1989. I think they finished 10-6, and six and they were one game out. So obviously the first game you would go to is a team that, that won only one game. So in, in 1990, we started to turn the corner. Um, but I really think in, in 91 and 92, the two games that we've talked about, those Monday night opening games, that's really when we got back to what it was like in the 70s. Obviously the Redskins started it off and, and with their Super Bowl win, and then we followed it up with ours. Uh, but but those were really, really good measuring sticks to start the season to see where you were. Were you able going to be able to compete? And you had to do it right away. I mean, that's the opening game. And we all know that sometimes you're not really hitting your stride yet that first game of the season. The way the schedule was set up, it really forced us in training camp to make sure we were, we were ahead of schedule going into that opener because we knew we had to play the Washington Redskins. We had uh, Roger Craig on the show last week, and, and he was discussed the uh, difficult path he has to Canton because of uh, the fullback label. You know, there's a certain sort of anonymity almost to the position. And the Cowboys, obviously, uh, in your days, you had the triplets and you. Uh, so I sort of wondered, did you feel sort of like uh, not, not even Ringo Starr, but the guy before Ringo Starr played with the Beatles for about, uh, you know, and then everybody. That would be Pete them. Best. Yeah, had Pete Best. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Pete Best, Pete Best wasn't smart enough to realize what was uh, what was about to happen. And walk away. Uh, I, was, I was smarter than Pete. I was smarter than Pete. I didn't walk away. Uh, yeah, but maybe I was uh, maybe I was the guy that set up Ringo Starr's drum kit. Uh, I probably uh, I probably give that one to Jay Novacek. You know, I thought Jay was a critical part. Um, you know, as a fourth member. I think the fullback. I wouldn't even say anonymity with the fullback position. I think there's more of a stigma right now. 
you know, you go back and you, and you look who's in the Hall of Fame, and I, I absolutely understand what Roger Craig is saying when you get that designation because it's a position that's changed so much since back when it was in its heyday. You know, the last guys that, that were brought into the Hall of Fame as fullbacks was in the golden era of the position. Um, you know, John Henry Johnson, Jim Brown, Marion Motley, Joe Perry, uh, Jim Taylor. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people are surprised to hear that Jim Brown is in as a fullback. Larry Zonka is probably, you know, your, your, your last guy that was there, you know, uh, as, as uh, you know, that, that fullback that was actually the, the main ball carrier. There's other guys in. You know, Bronco Nagurski's in. Um, you've got some other players that were there uh, that were two-way players back in the day. But once we got out of the 60s and really the mid-70s, uh, as that position started to change, it's going to be difficult for anybody to get in with the fullback designation. You know, I, the fact that, that Rocky Blyer, statistically he did things that most fullbacks were not doing in the 70s. You know, he's not in there yet. Uh, you look at Jim Braxton blocking for O.J. Simpson, Matt Suey blocking for Walter Payton. Uh, the way that Tom Rathman really revolutionized the position of the West Coast offense as the receiver out of the backfield, along with being a blocker and a runner. Um, so I, I just, I, I think the Hall of Fame is, is really one of those things. You've got to have a, a great resume, and statistics are going to be one of the, the important parts about that. You talked about the fact that the Pro Bowl was not even afforded to the fullback position until 93. That's one of the big criteria that's there. Statistically, the guys that played in the 80s and 90s and 2000s just aren't going to have the stats necessary. Um, and, and we'll wait to see what happens with John L. Williams and, and Larry Centers and guys like that that played the, the position and had some good statistics. Uh, but I, I just don't know. Uh, and you know, Roger Craig was a great player on a great team. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's probably that, no, 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 I'm not a fullback. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a running back slash halfback. As a follow-up, uh, do you ever look back, uh, ever waste any time looking back at those guys, the John Henry Johnsons of the world, saying, boy, if I was playing back then, everything would have been different. Of course, you wouldn't have made as much money, but but everything would have been different. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm a fan of the game. Uh, I love the history of the game to watch the guys play the position back then. I grew up in a Packer household, so, you know, Jim Taylor was somebody I was very familiar with. I, I probably can be accused of being a bandwagon Dolphin fan. Uh, I, I was really getting into football uh, when the Dolphins were in the middle of their heyday, so I have always been a huge Larry Zonka fan. And then, obviously, with the Cowboy-Steeler rivalries in the Super Bowl, you, you kind of – how could you not be a Rocky Blyer fan? You know, I loved what Matt Suey did for Walter Payton. Uh, and then Tom Rathman, when I was in high school and college, you know, Tom was the guy. If if I was playing that position, that's that's who I wanted to be. So I don't regret not playing back in that day. Uh, it would have been fun to be more two-dimensional. I, I really – I think that's why I'm, I'm surprised that Rocky Blyer hasn't gotten more uh, consideration. You know, I, I think he's really kind of that last – that last fullback that was in the backfield that really was a dual threat. Um, you know, you had Franco Harris there, obviously, but, you know, Rocky Blyer was very effective, um, you know, from the fullback spot. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that the, the way the game has changed and everybody's got their uh, the reasons why and uh, what they think happened. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's a, it's a position that seems to be under constant evolution. And uh, we're to the point now it's evolved so much that they don't even really need it. <laughs> they really don't even need it anymore. <laughs> hey, Daryl, thanks so much for the time. And best of luck setting up Ringo's next drop kit. <laughs> you, yeah, you got it. You got it. I'll see if we get, uh, I'll see if I get some autographs for us. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Sounds good. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, Daryl.
That was former Dallas fullback Daryl Johnston. Up next, more on that Cowboys-Redskins rivalry, as well as an MVP poll where you can and should vote. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network's brought to you by Proactive, where for just $19.95, you can get Proactive and a deep rotating cleansing brush valid at $45. It's a pretty good deal. But here's what's better. You get clear and you stay clear or your money back. Call 1-800-644-5944. That's 1-800-644-5944. <laughs> I'm feverish and stuffy, but I still see you checking out my sweet cough cloud. See, when I cough, I make a cloud of 3,000 droplets of saliva. Impressive, no? No. But your eyes say yes. <laughs> Ugh, cough clouds are sick. Take new Robitussin CF Max Severe. It delivers powerful relief of cough, sore throat, stuffy nose, and fever. Robitussin, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed. If your computer is running slow, go to MyCleanPC.com and get a free computer diagnosis. In minutes, you can activate MyCleanPC software to clean out the junk that may be slowing down your computer. Increase your computer speed today with MyCleanPC.com. That's MyCleanPC.com. Want clearer skin? For just $19.95, get proactive. And a rotating deep cleansing brush, a $45 value free. Get clear and stay clear, or your money back. Try proactive. Call 1-800-644-5944. one 644 Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green, the iconic cleaning formula known around the globe. Since being introduced to households and businesses over 35 years ago, the family of Simple Green products has grown. But one thing all of them share is my full commitment to their excellence. Simple Green. Try a Simple Green product today, and if you're not 100% satisfied, I'll refund your money. Visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green. Simple Green. We are friends. We are sisters. We are daughters. We are stronger together. Meet a We Rafiki bracelets are handmade with love by women in Africa, providing employment and empowerment. Wear your passion for changing the world at we.org. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Rick Goslin and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Proactive, where for just $19.95, you get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush valued at $45. But that's not the best part. With Proactive, you'll get clear and you'll stay clear or your money back. Just call 1 800 644 5944. That's 1-800-644-5944. Guys, before we get to that Dallas-Washington rivalry that Daryl Johnston was talking about, um, I want to remind our listeners to vote this week in our Talk of Fame Network poll. And you can do that on our website, talkoffamenetwork.com. Poll's a good one. You get to choose the league MVP. And Goose, you want to tell our listeners who the choices are? Well, let's go with some quarterbacks. Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Carson Palmer, and Russell Wilson. A running back, Adrian Peterson, and a defensive player, Von Miller. Ron, who gets your vote? Ooh, I'm a defensive guy, so I'll go with Von Miller. Ooh, we'll get him Who's one who vote. Who gets yours? Cam Newton, tough to beat. Yeah, I'd say probably Cam Newton, but... You quarterback guys, man. Photo finish with guys. number 12, Tom Brady. Hey, um, we just completed, speaking of polls, I mean, we just completed a defensive player of the year poll, and, and Goose brings these out each week. Um, I don't know about you, Rick, but uh, actually I found the results 
somewhat surprising, but maybe not so much in light of what Ron just said, but I found it surprising. You want to tell well, us again the results? Yeah, I would have expected Carolina to do everything middle linebacker Luke Keekley to win it, but instead our listeners and readers voted for the best defensive player on the NFL's best defensive team, Von Miller of the Broncos, which is why I included Miller on the slate of MVP candidates this week. You know, defense is a third of the game, and you need a defensive player in the mix whether you care to vote for him or not. And what about J.J. Watt? Where did he finish? Out of the top six. Out. <laughs> He's become J.J. What? J.J. <laughs> what? Um, well, listen, if we ran a poll of most surprising and disappointing teams in this year's NFL, and Goose may in the future, I don't know, uh, it might involve the two teams that Daryl Johnston was talking about in the previous segment, and that's Washington and Dallas. And once upon a time, that rivalry was among the biggest and I think the best in the league, but um, years haven't been kind to it. There's been some subpar results, I think particularly – by Washington, and they've made it anything uh, but a terrific rivalry. Um, and this week's game, to me, is an example. Uh, it's really meaningless. I know you're going to be there, Goose, I guess, but it's meaningless. And, Ron, I know you were outside the NFC, but you were close enough, at least in the early 1980s, when you and I lived in Baltimore, to know how significant that game was. And it was. Oh, no question about it. I mean, when, when Joe Gibbs was running the Redskins and Landry was running the Cowboys, uh, you know, there were for many years, you know, fixtures and the battle for the divisional title, along with the Giants. It was, it was always big games, incredibly competitive teams and times. And, you know, whenever I think of, uh, of Gibbs and Land, I think of, you know, two opposite guys. You got this gearhead on the one side with 10W30 oil on his pants, <laughs> and you got the other guy's got the hat on, you know, that he would wear every place but the Superdome because you don't wear a hat indoors. You know, you couldn't be tighter guy than Tom Landry and a looser guy than Gibbs if you knew him. So... Uh, it had all the elements that, that you want in a great rivalry. Ron, that would be friend of the show, Joe Gibbs. Exactly. Dear friend of the show. Dear friend of the show. Hey, when I need a lube job or need my car jacked up and, uh, and, and tires changed, I'm calling Joe. I'll tell you that. Well, you need it uh, jacked up, call me. <laughs> if you need a lube job, call me. <laughs> no, if, if, if you need anything jacked up, call Pete Carroll. Hey, we're jacked. We're pumped. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hey, Goose, um, I, I know you covered the Cowboys for years. Where does this rivalry rank for you? I mean, we've been talking about rivalries the last month, five weeks. Where does this one stack up for you? Well, let me just say first off that you guys living in Baltimore were what we call fringe bandwagon. <laughs> for us, when we're in the, in the mix, this is a rivalry that had legs. These teams played against each other in NFC title games in both the 70s and the 80s, and the spark remained in the 90s. The Cowboys opened the 92 season with a thumping of the defending Super Bowl champion Redskins. Then in 1993, the Redskins returned the favor on opening night again on Monday night with a throttling of the defending Super Bowl champion Cowboys. George Allen, Tom Landry, Joe Gibbs, Jimmy Johnson, where you have great coaches, you generally find great rivalries. Hey, Ron, he was knocking Charm City and knocking us there. I mean, listen, fringe isn't the Baltimore-Pittsburgh series, isn't that the best one in the game now? Bald- huge. Fringe, Wobble- fringe rivalry? Yeah, wobbly wheels. <laughs> hey, who Ronnie, would even, um, who would even, if you're in Baltimore, why would you even go to Washington? Absolutely no reason to be there. Yeah, good question. Um, except the odds of dates, I think, are better. <laughs> well, that's part women, true. One guy or something. Yeah, that's hey, true. Uh, Ronnie, uh, how about you? I mean, I mentioned you've been around the AFC, not the NFC, but where does this rivalry rank for you among the great rivalries of all time? Well, you know, to go, and like you point out, I mean, I, I spent a lot, you know, a lot of years around AFC, so I'm partial to those. You know, Raiders, Steelers, Raiders, Chiefs, Raiders, anybody, Patriots, Jets, you know, in recent years. Uh, and, and as you point out, that Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore sort of trifecta, you know, where they yeah, all try right. to hate each other and kill each other. Uh, you know, 
that's a braced entry for violence. But having said that, look, Cowboys Redskins was big for a long time, you know, and and there's no doubt about that. And and because the Cowboys were who they were, and then the Redskins, you know, started winning and winning in the way that they did, uh, you know, pounding the ball and playing very physical and 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 all these different quarterbacks, it, it was easy to get wrapped up uh, uh, into that sort of thing. You know, Goose was always wrapped up, of course. Uh, but you know it's big it's 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 big there's no question but didn't quite have the violence that i would have yeah. liked in some other rivalries though or that hatred that uh, jamal yeah. lewis was talking about last week on our show yeah i mean what what is one of the great lines ever jamal lewis last week what did he said when you said about Heinworth saying hate did fit he said i think it's the definition it's like the definition of the whole no, thing hate there was a, there was a lot of hatred but i wouldn't expect you fringe bandwagon guys oh. to realize it. <laughs> jamal lewis said it was an all-day hit-a-thon <laughs> I'm, I'm getting ready for that all-day hit-a-thon right. with goose right. knocking us here yeah um, it was it was hate with barbecue clark <laughs> that's right <laughs> not quite the same um hey listen when i think of memorable games in this series um i'll start this conversation by talking about thanksgiving 1974 and I think you guys probably saw this game. I, yes, I doubt sir. that you were at it, but uh, there was a rookie named Clint Longley who came up the bench to replace an injured Roger Staubach, and somehow, some way, he led the Cowboys to a 24-23 victory, throwing a 50-yard TD pass to Drew Pearson with 20 seconds left. Now, um, Goose, that was more than surprising. It was stunning. Uh, Longley hadn't played that season, and I remember afterwards, offensive lineman Blaine Nye called it, quote, the triumph of the uncluttered mind, unquote. <laughs> we sometimes have that on the show. Um, but that was Longley's 15 minutes of fame um, because he was later traded to San Diego after punching, yes, punching Roger Staubach in training camp. Ron, how do you punch Roger Staubach in training camp? You're a boxing you get, guy. How do you, you do only, that? You only get to do it once, I can assure you of that. That's a, yeah. uh, you know that quote you just had about the uncluttered mind? Blame not. You, you could you could be twenty four seven three sixty five in an NFL locker room today and never hear a quote. What a great thing, uh, you know. But well, I like props, as you guys know. I'm a props guy. I like to give props, and I, and I like props. Well, I like Derek. He kind of props up the show, you know. Yeah, our producer uh, and, Derek Burns. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, December sixteenth, nineteen seventy nine, uh, NFC East Division Championship and home field advantage was on the line. Goose may remember that game uh, for both teams. Uh, the winner would would win the the division title, and the loser might miss the playoffs. It was in Texas Stadium. Cowboys trailed seventeen nothing. They came back, took the lead. Then the Redskins came back, and then in the end, the Cowboys scored two touchdowns in the final five minutes, including, of course, Roger Staubach throwing a touchdown pass to Tony Hill, and and uh, they win the game. But the thing I remember most about it was when it's over, Harvey Martin, the the Cowboys defensive end took a funeral wreath that he claimed was sent to him by the Redskins during the week, and he had kept it in his locker all week for motivation. He took it over to the Cowboys, to the Redskins locker room, opened the locker room door, fired in the wreath right in the middle of their <laughs> prayer meeting. you got to love that. <laughs> you have got to love How that. How about them Cowboys? What's your, what's your best maybe, memory? Maybe they were praying for a wreath. <laughs> really? <laughs> maybe. Okay. okay, my most memorable game wasn't even a game with historical impact. It was the first time I covered a Dallas-Washington game. That was 1990 when I was hired by the Morning News to cover the Cowboys. Third game of the season in Washington at RFK, still one of my favorite old-time stadiums. It was a close game until the Redskins broke it open late when Daryl Green ran an interception back about 60 yards for a touchdown. The place exploded, and I was sitting there in the press box. The second deck of the stadium was shaking. I'm thinking to myself, this is not safe. I also thought to myself, welcome to the Cowboys Redskins rivalry. There, there you go. Hey, Goose, another game I bet you remember. I know it was a year before you got there, but uh, the 89 game between Dallas and Washington, Dallas won that game. 
and I'll tell you why it was memorable to me. Two reasons. One, it was the Cowboys' only win that year. Yeah, they were 1-15. And, and two, it wound up preventing the Redskins going to the playoffs for a second straight year. Uh, they were 2-6, and, and I know, yeah, Gerald Riggs' goal line fumble versus Philadelphia. That didn't help. But anyway, they stuck it to Washington. Yeah, the other key factor in that game is the Cowboys won with a backup quarterback, Steve Walsh. Troy Aikman missed the game at a chunk of that season with an injury. So Aikman wound up 0-11 as a starter in his first season. Imagine that, a Hall of Fame quarterback who couldn't win a game as a rookie. Friend oh. of the show, Troy Aikman. Hey, Goose, yes, sir. another question for you. Whom do the Cowboys consider their arch rival now? I mean, you know, if Washington were to become an annual playoff threat, that's a stretch. Could we get this rivalry back on its feet? Yeah, it's still Washington. Even though both teams have been miserable, uh, there was an edge to these games, and one or the other, other has been miserable for the better part of two decades now. Ron, we've got to run, but I'll ask you a quick question. Put on your league hat for a minute because I know you're a league guy. Isn't this rivalry getting this back together again good for the NFL? I mean, just as having the Raiders back on the map is good. So sure. Another story, but is it good for the NFL? Oh yeah, no question about it. I mean, certain things are part of the fabric of the game. You know, uh, Packers, Bears, Lions on Thanksgiving. You know, Raiders being accused of dastardly deeds, uh, <laughs> and, and and this kind of a rivalry, Washington Dallas rivalry. You know, you want them both to be good, not just playing each other, which is what they're doing now. Well, there's another good rivalry out there. Only this one's in the AFC, and it's more meaningful now than ever. I'm talking about Jets Bills, and we're going to be talking to Vic Carucci about it when we come back. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Call Quicken Loans now to see if you qualify for the government's Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. And for six years in a row now, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction. And for the second year in a row, they've also ranked us highest in mortgage servicing. Call 800-QUICKEN or visit quickenloans.com. Visit jdpower.com for award information. Call for cost information and conditions. Equalizing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. We are water. We are education. We are health. We are stronger together. Meet a We Rafiki bracelets are handmade with love by women in Africa, providing employment and empowerment. Wear your passion for changing the world at we.org. Would you like a cleaning product that can be used in the garage, the laundry, and the kitchen, and save space in your cabinet? Hi, I'm Bruce Fabrizio, inventor of Simple Green. Concentrated all-purpose Simple Green is the answer for versatile cleaning throughout your home and garage. I'm so certain you'll love Simple Green. If you're not 100% satisfied, I'll give you your money back. To learn more, visit us at simplegreen.com. Simple Green, Simple Green. Do you freak out every time you break out? Try Proactive. There's a huge reason Proactive is the number one acne treatment. It totally works. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what's slowing down your computer. For more details, go to MyCleanPC.com. And for more, more details on the 
Bill's Jets game this weekend. I go to Vic Carucci. We've called him. Vic's a Hall of Fame voter, and he's worked with the Buffalo News. Easy for me to say to talk about what is really, to me, one of the most intriguing games of this weekend, and that's Jets versus Bills. Uh, it's a perfect ending for both teams. Jets one win away from the playoffs, and their former coach, Rex Ryan, standing in the way. Vic's been a long time since you've had a meaningful game in Buffalo in January. <laughs> but uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. I do think this is a meaningful game, especially in New York. Isn't this a perfect opportunity for Rex to salvage a disappointing season? Well, first, it is great to be with you guys. In some ways, it is, Clark. But really, when you're down to salvaging a season because you have the ability to beat your former employer and, <laughs> and give him a little bit of a take that for, for sending you on your way and never really getting over that emotionally, I, I'm not so sure that's the best thing to hang on to from a fan base standpoint. I think the fans... Sure, they appreciate a spoiler role and, and short of getting into the playoffs as a wild card and anything else that could be deemed meaningful. Yeah, that, that would maybe fill that. But honestly, it's a, it's a bigger Rex issue and probably a bigger team issue. And of course, we in the media enjoy dealing with it. Then it might be to Bills fans who really are focused on a 16th consecutive year without a playoff appearance. And that wasn't supposed to be what would happen when Rex signed up in January, according to Rex. Vic, let's talk about a team issue. The, the, the Bills led the NFL in sacks with 54 in Jim Schwartz's defense a year ago. With the same players, the Bills now rank 31st in Rex's scheme with 20. What in the name of the anchor bar has happened up there this season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a good reference there. I would say that it's there. there isn't a single simple answer, but... My list goes as follows. There was a tremendous overestimation of Rex's coaching skill to make what was already good even better or even keep it as good as it was, which was fourth ranked overall. And as you said, leading the league in sacks last year under Jim Schwartz. Secondly, overestimation of the quality of talent here. Now, I think the defensive line is a talented group. And they were mostly responsible for those 54 sacks. Mario Williams, Jerry Hughes, Marcel Darius, even Kyle Williams uh, in that mix. But that was the point. Last year's team was a pretty simplified, wide nine, just chase after the quarterback, uh, play the run on the way to the quarterback were the instructions that Jim gave that group. They did not have to do a lot of communicating with linebackers and safeties and all the stuff that Rex's defense requires rex is a rex's scheme as we all know is a far more complex thing and it requires a, a lot of different layers and and can people connecting mentally to responsibility and sacrificing the as a defensive lineman the ability to be the star and that is something that never translated to any of those four linemen who gave themselves a nickname last year the cold front well, it was pretty warm for that cold front this year, and they were they were troubled. They were troubled, guys. They were troubled by that from from day one. I wrote the story about it less than a quarter of the way into the season, and and they're, the complaints or the questions of, well, we still got to learn this thing, and they were still talking about learning it after week thirteen. So the 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 fit hasn't been good, and I think the bottom line is Rex does not have enough of the people who who translate this to each other, who understand how to play it. And and that's a big fix to ask in the offseason. Sounds, Vic, like you're uh, uh, you're suggesting that they need to change their nickname to the Nitwits. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, sure. Sure. Now, it's, and Ron, I know, I know, I know where you're going. Uh, you know, how smart do you need to be to understand this? But it, and from what I'm told, and I've asked a that's a, that's a question I ask. How hard is it to learn? And how smart do you have to be to learn it? But when you go back to it, a, a guy like a Jim Leonard is is looked upon when he played for the for the Jets, especially in Rex's scheme. I know he had some time with Baltimore, but as right. the great translator, as the guy who even physically couldn't play so well, but his value to the team was how well he communicated to others what they were supposed to do. And they're they're lacking that now because of the again the the the, the change and the ever changing approach from week to week. They were not used to dealing with that last year. They, if they came to New England, they'd be unable to move. Things change every quarter. <laughs> they'd all just leave. Right, right. And and it's so funny that that the, the New England game, uh, the Monday night game, which we were both we were both there and talked right. about this. At moment, at times, you said, "Hey, that looks pretty dominant," and it was. Tom Brady. They had Tom Brady talking to himself and screaming at his lineman on the sidelines. And they were feeling pretty good about that. And they point to that as like a moment where it was clicking. But it has not really clicked all that much before or since. Hey, Vic, I'm glad you mentioned Jim Leonard, the great translator. We'll get him on here next week to help us talk to Al Jazeera when we try to <laughs> hear what he has to say about Peyton Friend, friend of the Thank show, you. Al Jazeera. Yeah, yeah, friend of the show. Thanks for that hint. Uh, by the way, Vic, and we're talking sure. to Vic Carucci, Hall of Fame voter of the Buffalo News. Bills haven't been in the playoffs since 1999, the longest drought of anyone out there. And I know Rex guaranteed, or all but guaranteed, the playoffs this year. Do you think, A, he regrets that, and B, when does this drought end? It's interesting. He did try to walk back those comments on a, uh, an appearance, a weekly appearance that he does on the – uh, on a local radio station um, that is, of course, carries the Bills game. So as part of the, the, the rights agreement, he goes on weekly. And he was trying to, he was saying that his, his guarantee, he, he basically uh, wrote a check with his mouth, that, you know, that couldn't be cashed. And he, that, he didn't say that in those exact words, but that was his point. And he, and it was a rare humbling uh, sound of, I mean, a humbling of Rex Ryan or a humble, humble sounding Rex Ryan was trying to walk back those remarks. And I think that would be disappointing to Bill's fans. What they bought in him was that, you know, tapping the microphone, is this thing on? It's about to be on, you know, those famous words of his opening press conference in Buffalo. But I, I heard from any number of media cover the Jets who would say, all, all he's saying there to you guys is what he said here, just change the names, just change the name of the team. It's the same script. So they they were there was a lot of eye rolling going on in New York and and a general sense of this is the same act. The other thing that's a little concerning about to your point about when do you end the drought is defense is supposed to be the thing that does it for this team, but how long does that window stay open? Number one, number two is you know when you think about um, his scheme and and what's worked for him so well. One of the things he mentioned was that offenses are catching up and doing things differently. And I'm just wondering if he's, if in any way, does it, does it work as well for him? I, I, I think that's a legitimate question. Hey, Vic, I'd like to keep you longer, but you know that sound. I want to thank you for the time, and best of luck silencing the Amish rifle, as Ron calls them, the Amish rifle this weekend. <laughs> I love me some Amish right, rifles. <laughs> hey, thanks, Vic. Thanks, Vic. Thank you. Happy New Year. That was Vic Carucci, and this is the two-minute drill. And Derek, let's start it down. Let's get that countdown. There it is.
Hey, happy new year, guys. Goose, what will be the biggest change in the NFL in 2016? The Jacksonville Jaguars winning the AFC South. The officials will get something right. What does it say about Dallas when Brandon Whedon trash talks Jerry Jones? Jerry Jones will not repeat his executive of the year. <laughs> it says that Brandon Whedon is probably as insane as Jerry Jones. He should be quiet. <laughs> Fade Manning's biggest concern, plantar fasciitis, PEDs, or cold pizza? Cold pizza, his future is as a pitchman, not an NFL quarterback. Brock Osweiler. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Dick Clark, Gary Clark, or Clark Griswold? Clark Griswold, Chevy Chase all day long. That's a good one. Clark Kent, everybody needs a Superman. What's the best thing to happen in the NFL in 2015? Validation for Cam Newton. You can win in the NFL without being conventional. Uh, the comeback of Carson Palmer. What a story. Yeah. And what's the worst thing to happen? Oakland, San Diego, and St. Louis all suffering abandonment. The Deflategate soap opera, which is now in reruns. <laughs> Best New Year's Parade, the Rose Bowl, the Mummers, or casting calls for the Chargers and Ravens? The Rose Bowl. The other two parades lack marching bands. Oh, absolutely the Rose Bowl if you live in frigid New England. <laughs> Best New Year's tradition, Twilight Zone Marathon, Rose Bowl, noon wake-up calls, or pink slips in Cleveland? Twilight Zone Marathon. I can find the Cowboys season in there. <laughs> USC in the Rose Bowl, beating up the Spartans. Give me your first New Year's upset. A tie in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Patriots lose in the first round of the playoffs. We want to thank Joe Jacoby, Daryl Johnston, Todd Gurley, and Vic Carucci <laughs> for joining us, and the guy on the horn. That would be Derek Burns for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you'd like to hear this or any podcast or Old Lang Syne, just go to our website, talkoftimenetwork.com, or beam us up on iTunes. Otherwise... Tune to this station at this time next week. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Hi, you've reached Burger King. To leave a message, press 1. Hey, Burger King. It's Mike calling again. I called a billion times about the burgers and the chicken and the flame grilling. My big idea. Call me back. I'm here at home. Michael, didn't we talk about you trying the new flame grilled chicken burger from Burger King? A savory flame-grilled chicken patty topped with veggies on a toasted bun. Now just two for $5. Or mix and match with another delicious sandwich, part of the two for $5 deal. The new flame-grilled chicken burger, only at Burger King. Limited time only, price and participation vary. <coughs> I'm feverish and stuffy, but I still see you checking out my sweet cough cloud. See, when I cough, I make a cloud of 3,000 droplets of saliva. Impressive, no? No. But your eyes say yes. <laughs> Ugh, cough clouds are sick. Take new Robitussin CF Max Severe. It delivers powerful relief of cough, sore throat, stuffy nose, and fever. Robitussin, because it's never just a cough. Use as directed.